Welcome to Revival in Jesus Way. Revival can happen now when you follow the way of the Master in all aspects, making disciples in His way, reasoning for truth in His way, and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit as He did. We encourage you to dream big for God's kingdom. I'm your host, Tim Cahoe. And I am Ying Yan Xu. You are at episode 17, the foundation series number 6. Are you a good person? Today we want to talk about the biblical view on human nature. That's right, Anne. So we're talking about what is the biblical view of, of human nature. Um, did you know that actually only a very small percentage of American Christians uh, hold a real biblical view about human nature? Um, I was really surprised uh, whenever I read this Lifeway research study um, that showed that about half of evangelicals really hold hold kind of a shaky version or something that really doesn't meet the whole mark of what um, the Christian or biblical view of human nature is. So Lifeway Research does a study called the State of Theology and it's done on evangelicals throughout the country and different denominations who agree that evangelism is important for instance, they hold the Bible to be the highest authority in what they believe. Uh, when they were surveyed, they asked them this question. Um, they said, do you agree or not agree with this statement? Everyone sins a little bit, but most people are good by nature. So in 2020, 46% of people agreed with that statement and said that that's true. Um, this is shocking when we, when we take a, a real view of having looked at what the Bible says about human nature and then compare it to what all these people that they, they actually marked and or they clicked and they agreed with that this statement was accurate about life. Mm -hmm. And let alone that what people professed uh, say what they believe might not be the same as what they really act out and what they really uh, internalize. That's right. Yeah, I think we know it from just general experience that a lot of times, even though um, I think a lot of people wouldn't check something about like that, like saying, you know, just outright that, oh, yeah, most people are good by nature as a statement. But even the people who wouldn't check it outright, I think a lot of times will will act in that way, will behave out that way. So this 46% of people who would literally check it and say that within the evangelical community, which is probably the more conservative of the Christian community in the U.S., is very shocking. Mm -hmm. And what's the big deal of that is it means that the almost a half or uh, even even a bigger percentage of daily Christians that they do not agree with gospel. Because the the beginning of the gospel is really the uh, sinful nature of a human being. Mm. The, really the seriousness of this. That's right. Yeah, it, how seriously you take sin really makes a difference to how you think about Jesus' death on the cross and, and what it's sufficient for. You know, Jesus came and died just to save people who are basically good, but sinned every now and then, you know, they're not perfect, then it really makes light of what the gospel is. You start to wonder, why would Jesus die for that? You know, just, oh, like, I wasn't so bad, Jesus, but thank you for dying for me. You know, that's, mm -hmm. you know, it's a joking way to say it, but really, 
if this is the reality, then it is, it, you almost kind of scoff at what Jesus did. Yeah, think about that. Advent is coming, Christmas is coming. So let's um, dive into this topic really deep. So one of the things I observe in having Bible study with um, with many people is that you can hear people ask those questions um, in the Bible reading, especially about uh, Old Testament. People ask the question like, like, why would God order the deaths of those Canaanites? And why so so much uh, capital punishment? It seems like, you know, you, you do this, um, you, you, you will be stoned when you disobey parents, right? When you violate um, Sabbath, you die. Um, what? When you enter into the Holy of Holy, you die. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also in general, in our modern people's mind, like, why law? It's like the whole Old Testament is completely bizarre thing. If, mm. you, if you have those questions, and um, oftentimes it's because, and if anyone you meet have those questions, it's oftentimes because people feel like verses like um, the wages of sin is death, you know, and everyone sinned and for shot of the glory of God and those words, it's kind of like a decoration. People don't really internalize it. If, if we do, actually, we wouldn't really ask that question. Mm, yeah, that's right. I think if it shows that lack of real understanding of human nature itself, when we begin to say, oh, why would God go so far? Mm-hmm. You know, I think about the uh, Uzziah, when he touched the ark um, in King David's day, and he immediately died. And we think, oh, well, you know, couldn't God have had some grace with him instead of that, you know, mm-hmm. th- that those laws were written down. But really, it's because we don't see the huge gap in in where our behavior is towards where we what we should be doing, how we should be behaving, what real righteousness really looks like, and how far our sin has caused us to fall, mm-hmm. I think that that's why it's it's such a shock. The shock is really that we're being brought into God's view from our our kind of moral view that mm-hmm. we're, we're in. And think about this question, that why do bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. And usually when people ask this question, uh, they have a pretty, uh, what, what's that, the dignified, that kind of uh, feeling, right? But like, we're right and then why suddenly there is a god come out and then it's like he make those bad things happen to good people yeah so i think that you came up with a good test earlier the other day when we were talking about this and you uh with some questions to kind of ask the audience and see what what's people's reaction to some commandments that we see right in the old testament yeah so that's half uh so that's half a test to see you just you know, maybe you're driving or something. You just need to answer those questions in your heart. Um, so what do you think about this? Do you think that God thinks dishonoring parents, someone dishonoring parents deserves death? And do you think that lying deserves death? What about stealing? What about having sex before marriage or outside of marriage? Now, that if all those 
if all those questions, if 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 one of those tests you say is no, it means your understanding about sin probably has um probably has a big gap from God's understanding about sin. And actually, that's that's why God God um I mean God uh moved the human human hands to write out the whole Bible.、Mm. Otherwise, why Bible? Why you know? It、mm. it just all doesn't matter. Mm, that's right. Yeah, it's in God's eyes. You really see that each sin, any sin, it, it's like this breaking the chain. We were we were talking about this earlier about how like in the Bible, the this freedom from sin, especially when you read Paul, like in Romans, this freedom from sin is really this freedom from not being able to be righteous. It's that that's like we're called to be righteous. Human nature. We're meant to be righteous, but then us not being able to be there is like this slavery or captivity to sin, and and sin is like it's not just this thing that is like one element, but it's related. Like in Jesus's talks, like for instance, you look in his different speeches, you see how joy is drawn in there, or peace, like you mentioned in Isaiah. There's no peace without justice, Isaiah said, and so like peace, joy. Like、uh, this community feeling, like all these things are actually tied into this view of righteousness, this this holistic view of righteousness. And so, when we really have, when we behave righteously according to God's justice and those things, we're connected to real joy. You know, when we behave righteously, there can be peace in communities. But each sin, each time we break that down. It doesn't just have an effect on us, and I think that's where God's view comes from. He sees the whole community way and the effect that each of these sins has, and how it goes down through generations. So every sin, because we're meant to be righteous and meant to be a community of of righteous people, it every sin it affects our relationship with God. It cuts off that relationship. It cuts off our relationship with others. It breaks down. The real reality of what humanity is supposed to do,、mm-hmm. and it creates this separation from God. It creates、mm-hmm. this horrible kind of environment that we see in the world, and and that's I think why you see in God's eyes these sins that we would kind of call out and say, "Oh, well, what's so bad about that?" Well, it breaks down society in a very real and very like heartbreaking way, and God has that perspective、mm-hmm. to really see that. He sees that holistic view. He sees down the generations and、mm-hmm. sees how us not being what we were created to be has a huge effect.、Mm-hmm. And Exodus twenty one, fifteen to seventeen says, "Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death." Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. And what do you think about that?、Mm, yeah, it's 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 shocking, right? I remember as a kid reading through these verses, and it's it has that shock effect on like, oh wow, like in society today, like you know, disobeying your father and mother, like that, you know, you, you don't connect that at all with okay, well that kid needs to. You know, like die. That's a death sentence right there. You know,、mm-hmm. it's it's shocking that it's so far away from where we are and the way that we view respect and those things.、Um, but I think that what God is really pointing out is that 
that disrespect for the parents is really at the heart of disrespect for in society in general. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you are willing to disrespect your parents in that relationship, in that family unit, where really your values are being built up initially, where you're really being brought up to be a member of the community, where you're really being taught everything Mm -hmm. that later on you'll use for respecting other people and doing good to other people. If at that very fundamental level, you are showing disrespect to those people, it's, it's huge. It's a huge issue. And it's plays out throughout people's lives, which I think we see in our society nowadays that we see that, that, Whenever that because disrespect and things like that are seen as such a small thing, oh, they're basic, the kids are basically good, they're okay, you know, kind of let them do what they want. You, you see this kind of breakdown, mm-hmm. and I think it's because this was God's people, God's community, God gave those laws that li- really reflected kind of what how serious things are mm-hmm. in and human it's nature. More than just deaths on earth. Because it talks about the wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like it's it's not just, just the death on earth, it's it's eternal because the after that it says the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So you either live forever in front of God, uh, a righteous God, or you go to hell. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what human beings face. And that's when uh, uh, Adam and Eve, um, before they before they sin, they can live forever in front of God, and then God needs to chase them out because mm. sin cannot live there forever. That's right. Yeah, it's one breakdown. It's like that chain, that that view of kind of the chain. All the links need to be together. If you break one of the links, then that chain is no longer like a complete chain. And so, like, there's this picture of human nature that's like that. If a link is broken, then it really breaks down the whole ability to live in that sort of community that God has created us to live in, that yeah, we're, we're called to live in. Now, uh, one thing I wanted to do is to point out some surprising evils, because I think we could just hop straight into the biblical definition. I think people kind of know it in some ways in the back of their mind, but I think pointing out some real examples can help kind of shock us, because I think... In modern society, a lot of times, we start to think that if if society believes that we kind of hold like the reality and theology in two different categories, and while we'll agree with something as good theology, we'll sometimes put it into the side in our mind and say, well, that's not really how it is, though. Um, so I think looking at some of these surprising examples of evil will help to kind of shock our system into seeing what the reality is really like. So one of the stories uh, for this Biola apologetics class um, on the problem of evil that I've been going through, I've been reading a lot of books that are in the curriculum and some that are outside of it. And uh, Iris Chang's The Rape of Nan King had an example that really shocked me and I think really drew the point out that we're trying to make. So if you don't know about The Rape of Nan King, during, in World War II or prior to World War II, Japan invaded China. And they began uh, to really try and make an example to scare the people, basically, so they could go up and conquer more. 1936, because at that time, Nanking was the capital city of China. Mm, That's right. And so what the Japanese soldiers wanted to do is they wanted to put a big shock in so that the Chinese people would more surrender and let them come up and, and take over and let them... Weaken, really weaken um, China so that they wouldn't be able to fight back. 
Well, the soldiers went into Nanking and they were ordered to basically kill everyone in the city. And this took a matter of months. So they were there for months and months. And during that time, there was a a community that was built up that just just really got used to this horrible killing and torturing of people. Of and these were innocent civilians. And these weren't Japanese soldiers that were handpicked for this kind of duties. This was just regular Japanese soldiers who were brought through the the army. So that they they took over Nanking, and there were still hundreds of thousands of civilians there. Um, and they had just all kinds of the most horrible things you can imagine. Like they forced pregnant women to have like the gladiator fights with each other, or they would just kill them. And they it's that they said in the book there wasn't there was hardly even a woman in the city who went unraped. And there was hardly a man in these soldiers who went there who did not rape someone. And it was just a regular thing. And and one of the one of the soldiers' testimonies that Iris interviewed that really shocked me was he said when they came there most people came there and said oh like this is wrong we shouldn't be doing this but after only a couple of weeks they said maybe two to three weeks every person was kind of inundated into that society where they just they were making jokes about the things that were going on they were agreeing with it and no one like left no one like was was so revolted that they left this city this just went on and on for months, and it points out how just atrocious uh, human society can really get when we, when it progresses, whenever it's there. There's just this this opening in our nature that can allow that kind of an environment to what can allow evil to become the norm. I think that's the main point. The evil, this murder, rape, all those things. Everyone accepted it. There was no one really pushing against it. And so people just said, that's normal. That's just, people were okay with it. You know, it's, it's horrible to say, but people were okay with the most brutal, evil actions. Um, another example to think about is um, kind of a funny one, but I think a good example to really get us thinking, because a lot of times we think about how babies and children are so innocent. And Clay Jones uses this one, um, that... You think about like a baby, you think about the way they, they act and the way they get what they want and things like that. And you imagine a baby if they had like a full person's body or like a giant body. Like actually that would be a terror. It would be horrible. You know, it, the, the, what they could, if they had the power to do this sort of things. Yeah, very soon your house will be leveled to ground. Yeah, very, and you will be beat up pretty mm -hmm. bad too. All burned. Yeah. Or there are all kinds of ways. Yeah, so like the baby... <laughs> A baby will literally do whatever it can to get what it wants. And the reason it doesn't hurt anybody is because it has a body that can't hurt other people. It's not because of the innocence of a baby, actually, contrary to the way we, we think of it. Because I think in society, a lot of times we think of kids or we think of babies and we say, oh, so innocent, so like unfiltered by the world, unaffected by the things around. But actually, when you really think of it, that's not true. Mm -hmm. You know, babies and children are just as evil as anyone else. It's just they don't really have the ability to impact in that way. Mm -hmm. And the reason we mention about these two examples, especially the first example, um, I feel like many people will feel like, 
well, why do you get to that? Like that's a big crazy time in the history. Ah,、uh, no matter concentration concentration camp, ah,、uh, Japanese Japanese soldier or. World War Two, Nazi Germ Germany, you know all those things. They just belong to a crazy hi- historical time. Like we improved, we different. So we talk about this because actually, um, in Bible, if we turn to First John three, eleven to fifteen, uh, one of one of the apostle who was closest to Jesus on earth, he actually agree with this that we are. If we are not transformed human being, we're pretty close to murderers, rapists. The worst words you can think. Actually, we're very close to that. And let's read about it. <laughs> it says, so from verse eleven, it says, "For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother." And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, and his brothers righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him.、Mm-hmm. So when I studied the scripture recently,、um, something struck me is why would he use this example? Because we try to educate ourselves into the biblical view about sin, about human nature, because it's something we naturally don't think in that way. That that every day when we when we hear whatever、uh, kind of、uh, podcast or TV, all those things,、um, they don't share the biblical view. So so really, my first impression was, I am pretty far away from that. Like, I I'm I mean I'm pretty far away from from Cain. Like I I wouldn't do that, even though I I would not be as good as Abraham. Maybe you know. So 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 that that kind of thinking. Um, but then when I when I think about like the example in the in the World War Two in what happened in、uh, Nanking, if someone tried to、um, kill,、uh, if if a soldier tried to kill me and tell me if, if I if I kill my own people, then he wouldn't kill me. Maybe I would do that. I mean, you know, like that kind of under、mm. the difficulty, under the pressure、mm. that you that that if you are overcome, if your little love, if your love will be overcome by the hate, then actually your love doesn't have the victory. Then you you hate you hate your brothers. Then I am a murderer.、Mm. Then I deserve hell. Mm. You know, so it's so it's like that. Like only you overcome.、Mm. That's also when actually when Genesis first mentioned about this story,、mm. what God told a、uh, king is that sin is crouching at the door, right,、mm. to try to overcome you.、Mm. So if you're overcome by sin, then you are a murderer.、Mm. So 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 think about like in. It means like in whatever kind of circumstances, you shouldn't be overcome by hatred. 
if you do, you know, you you fail. You the laughing, you fail. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And so that's and that's another reason why Jesus, I think, went a layer deeper than the law, where you know he had this format of says it. You've heard it said, but I tell you. And he took each law a, a step deeper. And I don't think in Matthew five, Jesus is just like trying to give a new law. It's actually he's talking to the heart of what God is saying in the law. God is calling people, say, saying like, "This is what in reality you're supposed to be doing. This is what murder points out how far away you are from it. You know, adultery points out how far away from it you are. But even if you commit adultery in your heart." If you like aren't completely committed to your spouse and your heart, and you go with your eyes and in your mind for someone else, even at that layer, that taking place shows that disconnect from who God has created you to be, and where you are. That's sin. That's the breaking off of that righteous righteousness that God created us in, and going into that that life of sin. You know, even if you hate your brother like you're supposed to love your brother even if they're we had talked about earlier too about you know loving your enemies is actually the standard of where we should be you know we ought to love our fellow people and have that kind of love that endures through we ought to want justice but we ought to have that love even for our enemies but then when we break off from that when we start to really have this these evil thoughts about our neighbor when we we begin to hate them or say we hate other people in our heart. And most of the time, there isn't even anywhere near good justification for being completely angry in that way towards someone else. It's It reveals the evil that's there. It reveals the separation that we have. And Jesus, I think, in the Sermon on the Mount is pointing out just what you said, Anne. And what John says is that if you don't have love abiding in you, then that's hate. You're actually in hate for your brother because if you as soon as you leave behind God's standard you step into the standard of sin you step into some other some unknown standard some standard that's that's man-made and this man-made standard doesn't hold in those values and that that kind of structure of of what God's goodness holds and so it just it's very relative and it just depends on how we feel at the time and it opens up to all those doors so we can see that whatever the culture says is right we can begin to be convinced and say well everyone else says it's okay so x thing is fine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so oh, i would just i would just read this part in case um our listeners don't know where it is Matthew 5 from 43 to 48. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbors and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the, on the evil and on the good and send rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Mm-hmm. So I think the problem is actually Jesus clearly say you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. But then we think 
I mean, many of us think this is a joke. This is just something like、um, nice in the in the Bible to think about.、Mm. Instead of we see like, wow, we have a big gap. Like God, help me to grow.、Mm. Like each year, I want to be more holy than the year before.、Mm. Like that. And in a in a story of the not in a story, I mean in the history of the、uh, raping the Nanking.、Um, There were conquerors.、Mm. That the testimony of the several、uh, Christians, most of them are from a、uh, different Western countries at that time. They are devoted Christians.、Mm. I think it's twenty-five or twenty-six of them. That some of them are journalists, you know, medical doctors, or、um, even school teachers. That that for those foreigners, they were informed that they can, they could have run away、mm. earlier, but then. All of them chose to stay. That they day and night they kept rescuing as many Chinese people as they can.、Mm, true. And the 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 death number at that time was I think from my history book is three hundred and sixty thousand Chinese people were killed. But、mm. no, that number could be much much higher.、Mm. And those people they have Christ's love abiding them and overcome that. Mm. And think about that in our like when you, when we attend Bible study now and when we study the Bible when we ask God to transform us, do we have that goal in mind that when this if this situation happened to me, I would choose to become one of that twenty six,、mm. and that's a success of a transformation. That's a success of God's salvation for you.、Mm, that's right. Yeah, being. Saying what's right with what God says is right, not necessarily what what the culture says is right,、mm-hmm. and, and have that, the courage. Yeah, that courage. It's a courage, and it's a mindset that's really set on God's ways. You know, like first it's knowing God's ways, and it's being set on it, and then secondly, it's really having the courage to say, "I'm going to stick with what's right and not go with the crowd, not go with what everyone else is." Is doing or says is right, or everyone else is saying it's fine. Everyone else is doing this. Why, you know, why do you have to be so stubborn? Why do you have to risk your your life, your career, you know, whatever, over just making this this what seems like a small point? You know, we need to be really willing to call what God says good, good, and call what God says evil, evil, no matter what generation we live in. Yeah. So.、Um, I would like to just give you a good framework for what is the biblical point of view and and how do we think about it. So what what biblically is human nature like? And so I think it's good to think about it in terms of these three layers. So you have a layer before the fall, where that God had created man to be good and perfect, and in fact that's what we read in Genesis chapter one verse thirty one. Right after God created people, it says, "And then God saw that everything He made, and behold, it was very good." And it's kind of cool because if you look through Genesis chapter one, God says, "This is good. This is good. This is good." But then after He creates people, and again, there's this wholeness because people are meant to be put in charge of all those things. There's this wholeness to it, and He says, "Well, now it's very good. This is very good." And Um, it's also revealing when we look back a couple of verses, and what did God say to people when He created them? Like, what was He? What did He call people to do? In verse twenty-eight, and God blessed them, and God said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, 
and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Yeah, that's right. So people were created not only to be very good and kind of be the very good like mark on all of creation, but they were called to do that by having dominion over everything below God. Being the rulers of the earth and subduing the earth and 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 making things more and more into God's God's image on the earth, they were so, called called to be His ambassadors here here in the world. Yeah. So at that time, people are innocent without sin and、mm. also in perfect relationship with God, and people joyfully rule over all other things on earth with God. Hmm. That's right. So there's this there's this authority there's this joy there's this innocence and there's this very goodness this goodness of people. Then layer two is when we we fell. So in Genesis chapter three is when you you probably know the story when Eve went to talk and the serpent was there who was Satan and then he convinced her that maybe God wasn't being so honest whenever he told them to not eat from the apple. Maybe God really didn't want them to have something that was good for them. And so Eve saw it. She saw that the apple was good for eating, and then she had it. And then she gave it to Adam, and Adam had it. And so the at that moment, those two people really said that God was not trustworthy, not completely trustworthy anyway, and they wanted to have something of their own. They wanted to be able to... Um, Look out for their own interests because maybe God wouldn't look out for them, and that brought the curse into the world. It brought that separation from from us humanity to God because now there was distrust in there, and now also there was sin in there that God had given a command and had said something was right, and we had broken it, and this brought all kinds of evil that we read about in Genesis chapter three into the world. One is this relational evil. In verse sixteen, we see、um, that God says, "I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing to Eve, and in pain you shall bring forth children." But then He says, "Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you." And so, this desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Theologians have always said, and you can see it just in the verses. There's this kind of negativity that's brought into the relationship between men and women because of this sin. So now there's this evil kind of in relationship. There's this constant battle between the man and the woman, and then out into all other relationships because that marriage relationship is kind of the central relationship in society. Now there's this this、um, distrust and this wanting to get over on the other person. That's brought into the world. He says later that, that the ground is also cursed because of that, and also people's ability in working in the field,、um, and the relationship to nature is affected.、Uh, we read that in verse seventeen down. It's a, in the middle where it says, "Curses the ground because of you, and pain you shall eat it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth from you." For you,、um, and so there's this、mm-hmm. struggle with the land, this struggle with nature that wasn't there in the first place. So now things are harder. We don't relate as well as we should have to to the world because we don't have God as kind of our guide. We don't have that re- direct relationship with God anymore. And so this affects not only our relationship with each other, but also our relationship with the world and with nature. It also affects that relationship to purpose because God says, "By the sweat of your face you shall eat." You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. So now there's death introduced, and also work becomes something laborious. It becomes something like 
Before the fall, only joy and purpose is really connected to work. But then after the fall, it's actually sweat and difficulty and also death in the end. So there's this, you can see this effect on purpose, so effect on relationships, on nature, and on purpose. And so in... Now, the fact is you talk about the the history of Adam and Eve in such details, mm-hmm. but isn't it that unfair that... Um, People should impose, like God should impose Adam and Eve's sin into us. Mm, not really when you think about who Adam and Eve were. So I think we forget a lot of times that actually we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Adam and Eve, right? Because Adam and Eve are our great-great-grandparents. You know, they're our par- original parents, as Clay Jones says. You know, we, we come from them. They're being together actually brought us into the world. Everything that that happened to them, the the things that happened to them on, on a deep level are passed down to that next generation. It's the same as if we get like a, you think of like an STD or something like that, sexually transmitted disease. And then if we had kids and we had that sexually transmitted disease, our kids would have that sexually transmitted disease because what we create is part of us. Yeah, and all other disease. It's our, because our kids are part of us. We are, whether we like it or not, part of Adam and Eve. That's that's part of who we are, and so that, and for that reason, it's passed down. Um, and also, we can say that God, through Adam and Eve, knowing the the future from the beginning, knew that Adam and Eve would be representatives who wouldn't who would really represent us right. They were actually kind of the perfect couple. They were created in goodness. They were in front of God, and yet they chose to sin. So we can say that what they did is representative, too, of what we would do. Um, And Paul talks about how this is passed down. In Romans 5.12, he said, um, Sin came in the world through one man, and death through sin, so that death spread to all men, because all men sinned. And that's another part of it, that not only is it passed on, but from the moment we come into life, we begin to sin, and we ourselves begin to do evil. So it's not just like Adam and Eve did this and then passed it down. It's from the very start, we start to sin. And then our own sin is the thing that separates us from God. But the fact that we immediately come out and we do enter into we have this sin that's part of our nature comes from that time with Adam and Eve. And then the third layer is um, this layer of being saved by Christ. And so this has to do with justification and sanctification. Jesus came to pay the payment of death, like we had said earlier, that sin deserves, that every sin that we've committed, it's earned this death. And Jesus, who had this eternal relationship with the Father, Um, actually took on and became sin for us. In front of God, he became the object of God's wrath. You you, you know, this eternal good relationship was in a way broken for that moment. And Jesus really took on death. He experienced death so that we wouldn't have to experience death and separation from God. By that, he justified us. He, he, He paid the whole penalty for sin and opened up the way so we could have a relationship with God. And so now we are declared righteous, so we have the righteousness, so there's no longer that that separation, but we can have a full, complete relationship with God. In Hebrews, it says that we can approach the throne, His throne, with confidence, actually. 
Um, but then there's also this sanctification piece that we're being made holy, that we still have these sins and things that we have in our life, but then now we have access to, the, to God. We have the Holy Spirit living within us, and we're now able to pursue righteousness. Mm-hmm. So it's just like the example of... Uh, like we are some say broken dirty muddy mug and then god is someone who see well this mug can still be fixed let me take this mug home and try to fix it so the 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 action he picked the mug home it's somewhat like justification you have a relationship first but then that mug is still the dirty muddy mug it needs mm. to be fixed. So so each part, you know, you clean it inside and out and try to put different parts together and try to make it just like new. And mm. then you'll function again in this person's family. It's like that's the sanctification. Mm. That's right. Yeah, and and so we're we're so on basically, we are saved to God's family to be fixed. Mm-hmm. That's right. Exactly. It's kind of like, um, yeah, we're brought into, like the mug is brought into the repair person's house. And now it can begin to be repaired. You know, there, there's this, this opportunity of repair that we're now into. And then we're called to actually be brought into the fullness of Jesus Christ. I think Ephesians 4.13 says it really well. It says, um, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of fullness, of the fullness of Christ. And so that's the goal that we're moving towards, is this, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So like we said, being perfect as your God is perfect, that we're moving towards that and moving towards real righteousness, real holiness, real, really being fixed. And so stage by stage in the Christian life, in this third layer, we're now being having that salvation practically worked out as we pursue God and we, we move in his mission. We're in his household. We're learning to do things in a new way and really in an old way, in a way, in a way that's connected to God, that God's way. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And just like when we, if we go back, and, and it's different aspects, it should be like eventually every aspect to, to have the fullness of Christ, every aspect we imitate the loving Father um, to be like Christ. Mm-hmm. So just for example, like we talk about love a lot before, right? Because that's a very important aspect. So for the love is the same. I can see how my love grow um when i uh compared compared to when i first become christian and then step by step um get uh get practice out work out with the the work of the holy spirit already starting me um so when other people disciple me that they demonstrate god's love and i also see how they have sacrificial love towards other people and then I also read the Bible. I know the example of from many saints, how, how they love, how, how Paul poured out his life to those churches, to those individuals that he helped. Mm. And 
so I begin to to learn. I have that goal in my mind, and then I begin to march out. Like maybe in the very beginning, it's just I I'm willing to、uh, I was willing to share gospel with some people, and then I begin to maybe willing to visit them. Because the Bible said t- talks about the the level of our love is needs to be like what is real love. Jesus demonstrated in a way that he died for us. So so we are going to have this love for for the brothers and sisters. But but how can we practice that out? Unless you see this command as like a joke. Otherwise, if you take it seriously, you think how can I get there? So it's begin from like you sacrifice fifteen minutes for someone. You sacrifice one hour for someone because. Uh, my mentor before always tell me, share with me that you know what、uh, what is the most precious asset a person can have? It's it's his time.、Mm-hmm. So so you、um, how much time daily you can devote to pray for someone, and then you prepare for the, before you go to minister to someone, you prepare right, and then so it's the whole. It's kind of like God designed this um, um, disciple making process. In to train people how to to love. Eventually,、mm. you you can reach to this, like like pause stage. Like you pour out your life. I can feel like I have this stronger and stronger、mm. for that. And then of course in this process, if you see any those physical need people have, especially in your ministry, and then you would care about all those、mm. other things. So it's a well rounded because you. You eventually you demonstrate God's love to the other person,、mm. and that's Jesus' way. For it sounds like really, because we like to say like, like oh, I, I'm just human being, and you know you, you you need to know Jesus' love from Bible. You need to think God's love is very high, but then God's love demonstrate through us because God wants to、um, want us to eventually. Restore the his his initial his initial purpose of creating human being、mm. as the righteous and loving ruler representing him,、mm. and that's the glorious purpose for justification、uh, for、mm. for sanctification.、Mm. Well, justification and sanctification and glorification is the whole process of of saving you. That's right. Yeah, I think Romans eight. Eighteen、um, through twenty-one is actually a really great set of verses. And Romans eight, the chapter is a really great、uh, chapter to look at. What is it? What is what is God's picture of where we're going? And Paul said, Paul writes,、um, "For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with all, eager longing." For the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And who are those children of God? It's talking about us. It's talking about those who have been justified and are being sanctified. Like this sanctification has a has a, has a huge goal in a way. That we're called to be,、uh, like it says in the book of Revelations, pillars in God's temple,、mm. of building this this picture of the world.、Mm-hmm. We're 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 called to be pillars of it, to really be firm foundations to make this world very good again. 
And that's why we, we pursue righteousness. That's why we pursue to be more and more like Christ. Because we're called to, to, to be that and to do that. Um, and it, it's so when we think about human nature and we think about um, what the Bible says about it, it says that there's a very serious problem with sin. It says that we were created to be good. And so like our, in a way, the base layer is good. It was created to be very good. But then sin has entered in through Adam. And from our very start, from, from birth, we sin, we commit and we do evil. We are um, internally minded. We look out for ourselves, and we don't really care as much about what happens to those around us. And we do evil continually is what the Bible says. It says all of our deeds are like filthy rags. Um, and then Christ has saved us and ha- he has brought his righteousness to us in connecting us back with God and in giving us the hope and the power of the Holy Spirit and then setting this goal in front of us to pursue righteousness, to pursue really loving in the way that he loved, really really having a desire for others to know God and be known by him. Because mm-hmm. that's the most precious and wonderful thing that you can have for someone else. And by doing that and by really helping others to know him and by doing good in this world and pursuing to be righteous ourselves, we we go more and more towards that image of what God created us to be. Mm-hmm. And so human nature, while the story is much sadder and harder than we normally see it, as we can see from the way the society looks at it today, and we have to really grasp our hands around how evil and how how sad of a situation sin is, and really this, the depth of the badness of that situation, we have to grasp it. We also need to grasp how wonderful the situation is for what we're called to. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason why it's so bad that sin is here, because mm-hmm. we're called to really do so much. We're called with such a high calling from God, and yet this is where we are. And so we're called in Scripture to keep our eyes on the hope of what God has called us to, mm-hmm. and to repent. Mm-hmm. So for this uh, three layers, um, that's that. Let's go back to summarize. So very simply, actually, it means that uh, we were created to be good and created to be like God, um, to represent God, um, to rule over everything, and uh, we we uh, we we fell and lost the something and then God tried to help us to restore mm. so so like that's the that's the story um, that's the three layers um, but I want to ask what do you think um, what do you think human being was deprived and what was not mm. yeah and this is an important question and I, we have a good post on it too which is putting Calvinism through the biblical lens um, and thinking about um, how uh, the common view of depravity, total depravity, misses the mark. And the, what we see scripturally is that people are, while it says that all of our deeds are like filthy rags, it says that all we do is continually do evil, is, is what the scripture says. But it also says, um, like someone like Cornelius in Acts does good. He said mm-hmm. that he was a Acts man 10. of, yes. in Acts 10, it says he was a man of who did good works, he gave alms. And, and we can also clearly see it logically that, that lying is not as 
as big of an evil thing as would be murder. You know, murder is clearly worse. And so there are these layers in goodness and evil. So, and we see that through the fall, while we might not, we aren't in God's standard, and that is very far. So it's not every sin is a very serious thing because being away from God's standard as people is a huge thing. But then also within that, there are these these layers of of goodness and there's these layers of evil. So I think in many ways we can do things that are good. Um, we can do we can act in in ways we can take care of other people um, and do things. But in in our heart, and that's I think what Jesus points out in Matthew chapter five. In the on the heart level, we still all all of us have this sin and the, this way that we think of others that isn't right. This way that we in our heart operate towards other people that really is broken. It's so deeply the, broken. The ability of consistently do good, the consistently mm. do good from a good heart. Mm. That part will last. That part we were de- deprived because of the sin, but not our conscience. So even the worst people, they have a conscience that, that they know what is right and wrong. Mm. In a way, so we still have that. We have actually, like from the layer one, I feel like many things we we still have. Like for example, the ambition. Like we just feel like we we want some. We mm. we want to seek the purpose of life, because that's the that's the um, God giving um, ambition. Even though it's polluted by sin later, but mm. then it's kind of like I, I want to rule this world I want to change this world mm. you know it's it's like that so many things are dimmed mm. but then still there um what else um conscience of uh, free will so we'll still be able to even even after we fell even God wouldn't take away our free will that he let us make your own choice if well if God can force people nobody will go to hell because God can force everybody to you go through this salvation process. You will be saved, you know. Mm. So anyway, uh, we have a, a last a couple of minutes. We can talk about the application of, you know, what, what do you think is useful? We talk about all those things, how, how it should be applied. Mm, that's good. Yeah, I think that what's useful in this this layer process and then also kind of trying to correct some of the the way that we think about it is on one level it's good that a good application is really challenge yourself with biblical truth you know the fact that 46% of evangelicals agree that everyone is basically good in spite of what the scripture says says that there's a real problem there and there's a real there's a real issue of people not challenging themselves with scripture. So when we when we hear we need to really be in scripture and be challenging ourselves with those things. And whenever it seems like, hey, this is different, you know, this doesn't seem quite like what I think, we ought to really um, wrestle with it and and pray to God to help us to have His picture of of humanity, His picture of reality, because clearly our our view can get off. And when our view is off of that, it it puts everything else in the wrong perspective. Um, So that's one thing I would say as an application is really taking God at his word and and looking into his word and shaping ourselves by it. 
and also challenging our view when we're in work and things like that to have a biblical view and, and thinking about how we can um, properly think of that. Um, another thing is, is thinking about these different layers and how in this layer three, we're, call, we're in spite of being having the effects of sin somewhat um, within us that are going on, that we have this tendency to do what's wrong, even though we have this desire to do what's good. Um, when we see this layer, actually, I think the application is continually plan and pursue to get better and better. I think that's a that's a real application because I think a lot of times in the Christian life we think it will just automatically happen, but when you really look at human nature and what God calls us to, we we need to make a practical plan and really think through how can we be more like Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, how can we share our faith? How how can we grow in sharing our faith? What steps do we need to take to share mm-hmm. our faith with others? What steps do we need to take to be in the Word? If we're not in the word on a regular basis, mm-hmm. you know, what steps do we need to take in order to really be able to pray? You know, what, what is our struggle in prayer and how can we grow in that? So number one application is to take Bible seriously. Mm-hmm. So to go into the Bible, to really check your own worldview and the worldview in the Bible. Do you really agree with it or don't? quickly dismiss that, oh, Bible is a too uh, lofty, mysterious book. Uh, maybe in the future, I will understand. And maybe one day our priest would uh, explain to us um, Bible. Uh, we, in our other episode, we talk about Bible or just something simply right to every normal human being that mm-hmm. you should understand. So if something you feel like you don't understand, don't use that way to dismiss the Bible and really, really check it. Uh, in what part you, like you don't agree with God. I mean, you know, that's uh, your first one. And the second one, you talk about that we should take sanctification seriously that we should see there is a goal God set for us and, and make a plan for that. Mm-hmm. And to make it happen, it wouldn't happen naturally by just going to church every week or, or whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, right. it's, it's something like kind of like you, your promotion job and all that is not naturally. Mm-hmm. And you also not naturally just get married. You don't naturally, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, so all that. Uh, one of the application I think of is mainly for um, people in the ministry and really um, those disciple-making pr- practitioners trying to help people to grow. Oftentimes, we find out what people believe in their heart and what people speak out. It might be different. So oftentimes, like this is one example, oftentimes you share gospel, the other person may be... Um, made it a sinner's prayer um, but oftentimes that's a, a way to go before they really convicted so use diff- I would use different books in an, especially New Testament like John Romans Acts and and study wisdom ask detailed questions like kind of the kind of a discernment to check if they really internalize that they're a sinner if they really internalize that if because one of the signs people really internalize they are a sinner is to, to, wow, that's a that's a big 
big gap. Like I really need to to begin because righteous people live with God. You know, like like that. It's it's like God begin to fix me. I I need to、uh, cooperate with His work. You know. So, but but before. Before people can really on fire want to grow is the real real intake of the gospel, really intake really consider gospel is is the good news. So it so just step by step like um, oftentimes I think people out of politeness when they have the um different understanding uh I mean their real understanding and and the Bible's worldview are different. Usually, people wouldn't mention about it. So, you as the minister, you as the discipler, you need to ask them questions about、mm. about it. I don't know, like like for、mm. example, like、uh, what I said、uh, asked before, like like the question, like, do you think lying is that bad? If if someone if someone lies, do you think lying or stealing deserve hell?、Mm. You know, like like those questions to really. Poke people the the、uh, evoke that difference out,、mm. and and then you can you can solve that, and 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 then that's where you can later when that person's really really converted, really born again, and then you can more help them to how to have a prayer life, how、mm. to, and it's a very interesting process that that you see people get to the、uh, biblical field closer and closer each time that. So anyway, so、mm. God gave us wisdom, and it's um,、uh, it's a、uh, uh, it's an art, and、mm. it's a commitment, and and it's an art to to、uh, for disciple making. So if you like today's podcast, please listen in.、Uh, we'll be continuing in this foundation series.、Um, please click the button at the bottom and subscribe and share with your friends. Yep. Thank you. Thank you.